Here at She's in the Game, we acknowledge that this episode is recorded on the lands of the Camaragal people and pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging and extend that respect to any Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander people listening with us today. Guys, just really quickly, I'm recording this post-editing, sitting in my lounge room. I just want to let you know that there are a couple of really random, super fun, um, like zappy or frequency. I don't even know what you call it. Like maybe like two or three throughout the episode and they just go for like literally half or a quarter of a second. But I just want to be transparent because I don't want you looking at your Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts and think that there's something wrong with your app or there's something wrong with the headphones. Um, I'm no audio editing wizard. I'm just a DIYer. I've looked at YouTube. I've done the best that I can. But just letting you know, so you don't um, gaslight yourself or something, you know? Anyway, enjoy the app. It's really fun. We love Sophie Divine. Hope you love the app. Thanks for all the podcast love. You guys are the best. Bye. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of She's in the Game. Hannah unfortunately won't be joining us today because she's caught up training, getting her prep in for a big game tomorrow against the Scorchers. Uh, speaking of Scorchers, please welcome our special guest, one of the world's most destructive all-rounders, Sophie Devine. Welcome, Soph. Thanks for the intro. No worries. Uh, congrats on the win yesterday. How'd you pull up? Yeah, no, not too bad. Um, oh, we always know it's a tough game against yeah. you guys, yeah. especially at North Sydney as well. I think we were a little bit scarred from the heat game earlier in the yeah. year where Grace pretty much just not Sydney us. is just notorious, isn't uh, it? It's great as a better, not great as a bowler. Yeah. I was thinking because uh, what the short side was 55 meters. Yeah. And as I was walking, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna have to bowl to Sophie. Oh. Like she's gonna be loving this. So when we got you early, I was like, great. <laughs> right. Then obviously Moons, Moons did um, did bloody well, but yeah. I mean. Yeah, it's always a good tussle, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, it's, that's the cool thing about this comp is that any team can literally beat any yeah. team on the day. And that's what you want. Like, you don't want massive blowouts and stuff like that because yeah. no one likes that shit. No, so no, it's, good. it's cool. Um, but thanks again for taking the time out of your um, rest day to sit down and have a chat with me. We'll get things started by chatting a little bit about your cricketing journey. For some background for our listeners, you grew up in the northern suburbs of Wellington. Um, and then later on moved to Christchurch. What are your early memories of, of playing sport? And was, was cricket always the, the sport of choice growing up or did you kind of dabble in everything? Like, yeah. tell me about the little rat bag. Yeah, so. well, that was certainly it. I think Kiwi kids are a heap like Aussie kids in terms of sport is just part of your DNA. Like you're out as in soon the as the yeah, sun's up, you're out there after school, you're out there until you can't see anymore. So for me, that was definitely it. I grew up. Um, with a brother and two sisters. The two sisters were hopeless. They were too busy <laughs> dancing and, really? and whatever else. Did you ever get dragged into that? Oh, my gosh. So um, <laughs> because both of them did dancing, Mum yep. sort of tried to drag me along. I'll never okay. forget. She dressed me up in this zebra leotard. Oh, my and God. And I was like, hell no. And so she tried to get me. They got to the studio, whatever it is, yep. and they all got out, and I literally locked myself in the car and was like, I am not coming out, one, because I'm wearing this <laughs> ridiculous zebra leotard pants and two I cannot dance oh my so god that was what could end. have been oh, well 
Well, not a lot. It's never too late. <laughs> well, people that have seen me dance, it's, I feel like they probably need to wash their eyes out. Yeah. But um, sport was just everything. Eh? Yeah. Everything and anything. It didn't matter what it was. I just wanted to play sport. I've always wanted to be an all-black when I grew up. Yeah. Um, it probably took me a wee while to realise that's the men's rugby team <laughs> and I'm a lady, so I can't quite play in the men's team. But um, it was. It was just sport all the time. Yeah. Cricket had always been a really big thing. My dad's always coached me. He always... I mean, he's still playing now and he's yeah. 60. Wow. I'm pretty sure he's nearly blind and can't move, but he still Not loves good it. under low light. Not good under low light or anything <laughs> moving faster than about 80k an hour. Um, but, yeah, I used to follow him around... Like, I always remember going to follow him when he used to play club and I'd be that little kid that's like sifting around the gear bags trying yeah. everyone's bats and trying on all the gear trying on the bottom <laughs> doesn't everyone know please yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think you know, trying to fit a a box in. Like, oh, there's nothing to fill it out. Well, I know, yeah. Like, how do you run around in it? But, um, (laughs) yeah, I just just loved it. And obviously hockey as well was another big one. But honestly, just all through school, it was any sport I could play. Mm. Um, The only one sport that... Were they mostly team sports? Like, was that the kind of thing that drew you? Was, like, Um, kind of that that bonding and hanging around a whole bunch of other kids? Yeah, I think so. I mean, in saying that, though, I gave tennis a crack. I I played squash quite a bit, actually. Um, But I soon realised I actually played um, nationals and stuff. This was when I was probably, like, high school-ish, early high school. And I got absolutely smashed by a player who, can I just say now, is like world champion, Joelle King, who's like phenomenal. Um, But I remember I got my ass handed to me and I cried in the change room. I was like, (laughs) no one else to blame. This is all my fault. Broken racket, tears. um, And I was like, I'm just not sure if I'm built for individual sport because it's so tough. It's tough. I don't get... Yeah, my brother plays golf and I, I mean, I used to play golf growing up and I just... Oh, it's can't just, handle the demon sometimes. It's a different level, way. So I've got so much respect for individual athletes, but yeah, for me, it's always been team sports, playing with mates, having fun. Um, it's still the same to this day too. Oh, even more so now. Yeah. I think I went through a period there where it was a little bit like a job and stuff like that. Whereas now it's like I just want to hang out with mates. Mm. I want to have a good time and laugh because cricket and professional sports can be a real dick yeah (laughs) it can really suck the life out of you so if I'm around good people like it just makes such a difference so yeah yeah, that was pretty much it did was um, majority of your I guess junior cricket days um, played alongside the boys and did you find that a bit of a challenge or was that something that that you really embraced and no I loved it so I played boys cricket right from the start all the way through to high school I played rep cricket with the boys and then it got to about 15, 16. Yeah. Um, and then they obviously went through puberty and things yeah, like that. Got a bit taller. Got a bit taller and a bit quicker and stuff like that. But I think a huge amount of my skill development was based around playing with the boys. I think I was super fortunate that right from the early club days when I was six or seven, there was maybe a group of five or six of us that literally played in that club team. We then went to high school together, yeah, played cool. in the same team. So we always had the same crew around us and there was it was you know what kids are like the kids are great yeah they just don't know any different like yeah if so what if I'm a girl like I can yeah. play cricket that's all they care about yeah I mean there were a couple of times where they had to try call me Sebastian because um, the other team were like oh you can't have a girl so they would be like oh this is Sebastian <laughs> um so 
But yeah, Sebastian. Sebastian was the name that I sometimes got <laughs> the alter ego. The alter ego. Um, but like looking back, those boys were so awesome to me. Yeah. And it was always, you know, opposition teams or even parents. Mm. Like I remember being like, oh, it's health and safety. Yeah. And it's like, well, hold on. Yeah. Just because it's a girl doesn't mean they can't sort of stick up for themselves and and match it. And that's where Dad was always really good. He was like, look, I'm never gonna put you in a position where you can't handle it you're more than capable if that ever changes then yeah absolutely but hell no get out there and whack him more and that's where I think more so from a bowling perspective um, when the boys started to get bigger and stronger Mm. and stuff I had to be smarter because if I missed my length or whatever else they'd just smack the shit out of me and they'd let me know about it which was great (laughs) but that's where you know variations and stuff like that and strategy and tactics came into it so much more because Sometimes at that age, the boys weren't the, the smartest going around and yeah. they just wanted to hit the ball hard. So that sort of stuff, I think, was so invaluable for me growing up and, yeah, just learning on the job. Mm. I think it also, like, helps you dial in a little bit extra and mm. really turns on that competitiveness to, to an extra level, which oh, is um, something mm. that I really enjoyed growing up playing boys cricket was, yeah. was that aspect. And I remember taking Fifa against basically so I played for a team called like United and it was like Tari and Wingham like kind of random yeah. areas combined and I versed Wingham which is my home yeah. um, hometown and took five for against him and it was just the best feeling like yeah I'd love to do some sort of research or study in terms of the the female players that played yeah. boys cricket growing up and sort of seeing their trajectory because I know a heap of them obviously Meg Lanning I'm yeah. pretty sure Midge yeah I think there's right. so many people that would have played it and yeah. now excelling yeah. in this field. It's it's cool to see. Yeah, like as you mentioned, there's definitely some some mm-hmm. pros to playing with with the boys, but it's also really special to see the amount of like girls leagues that are developing because obviously, mm-hmm. you know, we've got so many more girls who are interested in playing. So um, yeah, it's still great to to see all girls teams out there for sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. As I mentioned before, um, representing New Zealand for for hockey. Um, can you tell me about this? Can you tell me about this hockey journey and and what was the point where you were kind of at the crossroads and had to choose between one or the other? Yeah, um, I guess always growing up, like I said earlier, I always played all sports, but hockey and cricket were always the two. They worked out really well. Yeah. Summer and winter sports. Um, what position were you? Uh, mostly defender, fullback, okay. central yeah, defender. Cool. Yeah, uh, but I did. I just always loved hockey. Just so different to cricket yeah. in terms of short and sharp, the the fitness that you needed. I was really lucky again. I played boys hockey too yeah. up until high school, and you know one of my good mates, Blair Hilton, played for the men's national team for ten odd years. So the two of us would literally just pair up. He'd be a striker, so I'd literally fetch the ball out of defence yeah, cool. and whack it up to him. So he'd be scoring all the goals. Yeah, love you know, that. loving it. But hockey was just such a cool sport. Again, team sport, but just so different. Yeah. And I love that change of putting the cricket bag away for the summer. Getting the hockey stick Good out. fitness for pre-season too. Great fitness. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've always played it. And then, yeah, I guess been fortunate enough to make the rep teams and things like that and then made the black sticks. Yeah, I must so have cool. been 18 or 19, okay. I reckon. Um, and at that stage, I juggled both the cricket and the hockey. I reckon it must have been for two and a bit years. Yeah, right. And both that, at that elite Both um, at international New Zealand level. stuff, wow. yeah, which was pretty hectic. Yeah. And it got to a point with the London Olympics in 2012 coming around and the head coach of the hockey team was like, look, you've got to make a decision. Wow. You sort of, we've been really flexible in allowing you to go and do the cricket stuff, but every time you come back, 
you're having to start again yep. and having to catch up and it's just if you want the best chance of making the squad you need to commit so I was like oh. yeah wow that's so, a pretty pretty oh, big kind of huge carrot to dangle I mean an Olympics and then yeah I guess around then was kind of when cricket international cricket was starting to really pick up yeah um so how did you go about I guess navigating the process of selecting between the two yeah well it was massive for me because I'd always played both and I guess I'd been a bit naive maybe to think that I just couldn't keep doing both but I probably started to realize that he was right which was hard for me to admit but it did that Olympics is such a huge carrot and Mm. I was like right I think I'd be kicking myself if I didn't give myself the best opportunity to try and crack that squad so I gave up cricket um, it must have been about 2011 leading into 2012 which was weird and I seemed like a real cricket weirdo like I'd just be hanging around cricket fields yeah. like watching and stuff just be <laughs> trying to get my fix because I wasn't playing but yeah right. Um, yeah so I made the the wider Olympic squad and then that got cut down to 16 a couple of months before and I'll never forget it yeah uh, was in a room literally like this with the coach and he said uh, look really sorry you haven't made the final squad. It was literally a flip of the coin and it didn't go your way. Sorry. Jeez. And that was it. Yeah. So I was sort of just like, what do you even say to yeah. that firstly? Um, was pretty pissed off and disappointed because yep. at that stage we had to centralise in Auckland. So I'd moved away from home yeah. for that year. Put a lot of time and energy, you Put know, given up. Yeah, the, given up the cricket and dream, everything. Yeah. Um, so I was pretty cut by it, but like so lucky like literally a week or two later I got a phone call from the White Fins coach oh. being like hey so I hear you're not going do you want to come to the World Cup in Sri Lanka and I was, and I was like um, well I haven't really played much cricket but yeah from the ditch to the peak yeah. in a space of a week yeah. wow so that gave me a real awesome I guess goal and yep. purpose to, to work towards and following that World Cup our, the first New Zealand cricket contracts came in so they were sort of wrapped around how they used to do it you had to do a bit of work and it was sort of part-time but I got offered one of those there was only four at that stage Suze was another one that that got offered and literally from that moment I was like you know what cricket's going to pay me this is a job I want to play sport I don't want to work and that was it so from about 2013 onwards it's literally just been wow yeah that's so crazy so Mm. I guess after that that you know missing the selection of the Olympics was that kind of when the hockey boat sailed like have you ever you know throughout the process 2013 2014 was there ever a point where you kind of felt like you wanted to go back to, to hockey at yeah, all yeah absolutely yeah. well especially because after that Olympics a lot of the there were a fair few retirements and things yeah. like that and I still played sort of um like local the domestic stuff. league yeah, and well. stuff like that so I was still involved but I was just like I must have got to about 2014, 2015, and I was like, you know what? Yeah. Again, that's taking up more time, yeah. and cricket was starting to get busier and busier. I think that was the first year that Big Bash started, actually. Yeah, and I was of course, like, yeah. Okay, now nah, I'm going to give cricket the, yeah. the proper crack now. And saying that, though, I got back, because obviously I spent a heap of time in Perth. I got roped oh, that's in. That's where the. Um, the yes, that's Aussie where the hockey's based. based. Yeah. yeah. So I got roped in. So we've got Madonna right, Blythe, okay. who works at the Wacker, and is obviously like. An Australian hockey legend yeah. and she sort of said oh if you ever want to come and have a hit round and stuff like that and nice. I was like oh I'd love to sort of thing and next thing you know I'm playing club <laughs> that's hockey. That's such a great get well, <laughs> for the club s- team. Oh. So yeah it's still a sport that I love dabbling in again yeah. but the game's moved forward so much it'd be the same as cricket it's moved so much it's so fast mm. it's so quick and I'm not fast and I am old <laughs> so it's um yeah, it's just nice to have something different and have a different space to yeah. go into. 
do you think that um, having that background in hockey has kind of impacted the way in which you go about the way you hit the ball, like in cricket? Do you think that's kind of yeah. been something that's transferred and, and changed your swing a little bit? I think so. I think it'd be, yeah, pretty obvious, I guess, by the way that I yeah. am rather leg side dominant yeah. and, and whatnot. But oh, I think it's even little things around how I run between the wickets and yeah. turning and stuff like that because that's such an important that part, agility especially bit. in defence, yeah, sure. agility and stuff like that, which even when I was in the hockey, that really helped me from a cricket perspective. Like, the running between the wickets really helped my hockey. Yeah. Which a lot of people are like, oh, cricket, you just need to be fat and slow and you're just mm. standing around all day. But, <laughs> you know, there's so much more to cricket these days that, that you need. So, absolutely, there's so much from the hockey background that I think translate the hand-eye coordination yeah. and all that sort of stuff. Um, so, yeah, taught me heaps. Like, obviously, I had my sulk and stuff after missing out yeah. on the Olympics, but... Being able to reflect on that time, I was like, that's what taught me how to be an athlete. Yeah. You know, how to train, what's required. And even to this day, I still look at, at you know, some of these different codes and what they put in mm. and how little they get back. Like, yeah, I think totally. we're so lucky in oh, cricket. massively. Yeah. With the financial reimbursement and the resources. And I look at hockey in New Zealand and they're still like, yeah. I don't even know how they make a living sort yeah. of thing, but they're training so much, so hard. Yeah. So it's sort of a, a good reality check for me to be like, look, you can always be doing more because during that period of my life, mm. like I was literally a zombie. It was literally wake up, train, yeah. sleep, train, sleep, train. Yeah. And do that for literally, yeah, 12, 24 months wow. on repeat. Wow, that's, just a, that's a crazy story. I can't mm. believe that. Um, I guess we'll, we'll touch on some uh, international cricket now. So when you were selected for the New Zealand team for the first time, you're only 17 and at the time um, the, one of the, the youngest members of the squad. Uh, what was your experience like navigating that space as such a youngster and you know on the international stage? Yeah, I guess I was pretty fortunate that I'd played domestic cricket from a really young age. So yep. I was really used to being around um, older people, adults and things like that. Yeah. So I probably had a, yeah, a, a bit of a, a look into what it's like. But, uh, Whenever you make your international debut, though, it's just completely different yeah. gravy. Yeah, I don't think I spoke in that environment probably really? for about the first two years. I know, which is hard to what? believe now because I'm an absolute gas bag. But <laughs> yeah, I think at that time it is you, you're sort of playing alongside idols and mentors and people that you've looked up to my whole life, and then to be playing alongside them, mm. it was just you know sort of some pinch me moments and it's funny even now talking like we played at AB Fields the other day and that's where I made my debut and we drew that game and we had a bowl off because that's what you did oh this was before super overs yeah who was I talking to do you want to explain a bit of a a bowl off to to our listeners so yeah it's a little bit village now that you think about it but before (laughs) the super over if a match was tied there was a bowl off so each team selected five bowlers and you literally had a free go at the stumps. You just had to hit the wickets. So it's sort of like a penalty shootout yeah. in, in football. Um, Did this happen? I feel like I was chatting to someone. It happened in an indoor centre once. Oh, maybe not I us. Probably remember. in England because it always yeah. runs in England. Yeah, but, true. Um, but yeah, like looking back on those sort of memories in that, that time. It is really village, isn't it? Oh, and what was even more village is everyone missed in the first round. <laughs> everyone. So 10 international players could not hit three stumps with no batter, nothing in the way. So um, Pressure, hey? Pressure does funny things. Um, but yeah, it was such a cool experience. I mean, I was super lucky to have the likes of Suze yeah. Bates, um, who's you know, a year or two older, but sort of in and around the environment as well. There's a f- couple of us younger ones, which you sort of cling to a little bit till you feel a bit more comfortable. But yeah, 
the first couple of years was pretty crazy. We obviously went really well at World Cups. We sort of yeah. made a fair few finals and, and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I honestly was just like this little kid, just hid in the corner, yeah. didn't want to say too much. Was a little bit cheeky at times, <laughs> as Sarah McGlashan can probably yeah. vouch to. But yeah, certainly, yeah, just like a dream, really. Yeah. Can you remember much from that first match? Oh, nah, not really. All I remember... You're mainly bowling all-rounder. Yeah, 100%. Mainly bowler or bowling all-rounder? Nah, like bowler. Really? Yeah. I've got this amazing stat that I've batted in every single position in the New Zealand team. Really? 1 to 11. Yeah, so, nah, I was dead set a bowler those first couple of years. Um, The only thing I really remember about that series was the horrific uniforms. Those were back in the days where it was literally like wind sails, like massive. Because they would have only catered for the men's stuff. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but um, yeah, that and the bowl off, that's pretty much all I remember. That is so funny. Did you get picked in the bowl off? Yes. Oh. And I missed. (laughs) So you can just imagine the shame that was flooding over me. But yeah, oh, like... So crazy. And playing against an Australian team, like I remember Catherine Fitzpatrick, that must have been one of her last Oh, I was going to ask, like, can you games. remember some of the Aussies yeah, who were... Yeah, Roltz was there, Stalaker. Oh. I'm pretty sure Shelley was in there. Um, so, I mean, some absolute... Leah Poulton, I reckon, yeah. was in there too. So, just, you know, when I look back and think, those are, like, iconic legends yeah. of the game globally. So, to think that I was around very early on, but playing against them, it's just sort of... Yeah, quite crazy to think here I am now, a yeah. little bit older. Wow. Yeah. Many, many things to learn, I guess. As a professional athlete, um, you know, we have to deal with things like selection and injury and, and being on the road for, for long periods. I guess throughout your international career, what have been some of the um, learnings that have helped um, helped you overcome those those challenges? Yeah, it's probably been different as I've gotten older. Obviously, injuries and stuff suck mm. <laughs> doesn't matter what they are or how long you're out for they're always tough to get your head around and there's never there's never a good timing with them no you're ever. always gonna miss something yeah always and there's yeah absolutely so I think how you deal with that's really important and I guess now it, it, the resources and stuff that get wrapped around you is unbelievable whereas sort of back in the day mm. it was a little bit tougher and you sort of left a little bit to your own accord to sort of figure it out but they always suck like there's mm. no easy way and it's same with selection I think you know I always look at how players bounce back from not being selected yeah. and I think it's such a great representation of your character totally. and your resilience and things like that because there's going to be times where it's form related and there's going to be times where it's the it's flip just, of the coin yeah the flip of the coin so you just got to suck it up and keep thinking what can I do for the team and that's always been something massive for me is you know what does a team need yeah whether it's on the field, off the field, if I can help in that way, obviously I'd, I'd love to be doing it on the field, but sometimes it can't be. It might be, I'm going to absolutely nail I'm the drinks you, today. I was going to say, I'll give you the best brewski of hydrolyte ever. Absolutely, I'm going to nail that concentration. <laughs> so that's always been a big part. And then certainly I reckon probably the last five, six years of my career, spending so much time on the road. Yeah, uh, especially with COVID. Especially and, oh, with COVID. COVID sucks. The C word. Yeah, that really, really sucks. Yeah. But it sucked for everyone, do you know yep. what I mean? And uh, it was cool to see how, again, resilient people were and the effort that got made to make sure that we could still play totally. cricket. I think, again, that reality check to think that there were people struggling in hospital yeah. and losing loved ones and here we were still able to play a game. Yep. Um, certainly made you feel pretty lucky. So 
heaps of learnings around that and then the mental health side of thing for me is something that is is so important and as a youngster I didn't think anything mm. of it like was never phased couldn't really understand it but certainly going through my own struggles you know it's so important that you look after yourself as a person first mm. and foremost like if you're not 100% you're never going to be able to give as a cricketer or, or as a friend or anything else so that's been a big learning for me I've taken periods of time away from the game yep. to get myself right and that in itself has been really tough because I always just want to play like it's always I just want to be out there and I'll be playing so to pull myself out and, and make that decision was really hard at the times but I knew deep down was the right one to make yeah. and like I'm super proud of the likes of you know Millie Kerr yeah um and obviously what she's been through and and then what she's been able to do on the you know the other side yeah. of it with treading water and you know it's so cool to see that that conversation is slowly yeah. starting to become more normalized because just because we're professional athletes doesn't mean we're immune to exactly you know mental health issues or problems so that's always a big one that I hope anyone that I come across, especially teammates and stuff, is yeah. they know that. It's always person before cricketer, isn't oh, it? Oh, like, unbelievably. And it, it's really hard to sometimes get that across to people. Yeah, 100%. Especially people have no outside. idea. Yeah, especially people outside. It's like, well, you get paid to do this. You're yeah. so lucky. And it's like, yeah, I get that. But the people, the humans, yeah. like, they're still going to feel and hurt and cry and get mm. angry and all that sort of stuff. So that's always been a massive thing for me is that caring for caring for the person because when they're happy you're going to get great stuff happen on the field that'll yeah. take care of itself but um yeah that's been probably my biggest learning I reckon is caring for yourself in that mental health space yeah well, no, totally I, I can't agree more like I think like we touched on it earlier the reason why um we play team sport and cricket is because we have just such a, a great support network mm. around us and when we're caring for one another I think it just creates an even more special environment so yeah, um, yeah I love that I guess that kind of um, leads a nice little segue into um, a bit of leadership that I like to ask you about um, you took over the leadership role for the um, white phones when Amy went on maternity leave uh, what was that experience like you obviously would have been in and amongst leadership groups um, and you know had had experience um, in that space, but what was it like to officially have the reins of the national team? It, I oh, honoured and humbled and yeah. all those sort of words, but it's funny. Like I never, I guess, had a goal to want to captain New Zealand growing up and yep. things like that. Like I was always just so happy and playing with Suze, who was captain for so many years. Like I was always just like. I'll do whatever to help Suze in that space. And then I guess when that opportunity came up, I guess it was really cool that I was a little bit older. Yeah. And I think I'd sort of learnt a lot about myself, but also... Been around. Been around. Guess, been yeah. around different leaders and yep. things like that. And then to still have Suze around as well has been massive. And, you know, I still think she's one of the best leaders. Yeah. And to have her there by my side through that phase and then even when Amy came back and to have... I guess us as a tripod there, mm. I think of myself as probably like the luckiest captain to have two former captains. Oh, yeah. And two brilliant people. And two well. just great people yeah. there by my side. It just made that whole transition and that whole, what could be a pretty intimidating role, so much more comfortable and easier for me to just be like, I've just got two legends beside yeah. me here who just want to help the team and help me. So yeah, I certainly felt ready and, and just love love that role and continuing to to grow and to learn in that space 
What do you think are some of the, the challenges, I guess, that comes with leadership and, and how do you navigate that, I guess? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think the biggest thing for me that I've probably learned from it is you can't be everything to everyone. Yeah. Which I really struggle with because I'm a little bit of a control freak and, you know, like to know what everyone's doing. And I feel like it's hard also to not be a people pleaser in a team environment. Absolutely. You know, you're always trying to be considerate of what, yeah. what others are thinking. So Yeah, and that's been what's really been quite important, I think, in each of the teams that I'm involved in is, is having some sort of leadership group or support structure around you that you're using the strengths of other people around you. Yeah. And that probably took me a little bit too long to realise is when I've got people like, yes, yeah, Suze, Merely, Maddie Green, you know, Leah, Tahuhu, they've all got such awesome personality characteristics and strengths. It's like, why would I not want to use yeah. their skills? So for me, that's been a massive one is, is leaning on people to be able to utilise their strengths because... Yeah, like I said, you can't be everything to everyone because mm. it's exhausting. I tried doing it and it and it burnt me out and I wasn't giving my best version of myself to the team. So, yeah, that's been a massive thing for me, I think, is just leaning on people mm. and being open to help. Which Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I feel like the best leaders are the ones who are open and let lets everyone know that they're not perfect, mm. I guess, and, mm. and kind of shares that and, and that helps, I guess, the rest of the team kind of understand that you're also trying to learn and navigate that space as well. And I think that also creates that trust yeah. between, I guess, a captain and, and their team. Yeah, so. well, and it sort of leads back into that caring about the person as yeah, well. Yeah, totally. Because if you know, you know, I think it, even for me, it's things like knowing your, your parents' names or yeah. what pet you've got. Do you, and it might yeah. seem so small, but being able to go to Sue's and say, oh, how's Rocco, your dog, going? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? To me, yeah. like if someone remembers that, it's like, shit, they've actually taken the time to remember that I feel valued I feel listened to which I think sometimes yeah people underestimate the impact that they can have on mm. how you feel yeah definitely yeah makes you feel like you're more than just a teammate and yeah. more of a friend which is really cool yeah, absolutely. and really important when it comes to, to leadership do you find that do you feel like there's more pressure for you to perform as an individual when you're captaining or is that like how have you gone about that yeah Another really good. I mean, question. we can skip it if you. No, that's a really <laughs> great question. Um, no, I don't think so because I think it's so much more than your performances yep. as captain. I think it's so much around the behaviours that you do day in day out, and this is probably more so with the white fence girls in terms of you're around them a lot more, and, and it's how you train, it's the conversations you have, and it's exhibiting those behaviours that you want others to follow. And again, I've learned from some of the best with Suze and Amy and and the like that it's their behaviours and how they are day in day out that is going to have the most influence everyone knows cricket form can come and go yeah. and do you know what I mean but if you can stay really consistent I think that's something that's really important I feel more pressure being an overseas player yeah. than I do as being a captain or whatever like to me it's the overseas stuff mm. that, that makes me a little bit nervous because you've literally been brought into a team as a specialist to perform mm. so it's sort of that for me is more pressure than leading a side think especially when you've got good people around you I think that captaincy leadership stuff is yeah it's made so much easier with the good people around you I guess I yeah I don't know that point kind of made me think because I feel like there's so much criticism to people on the outside who have absolutely no idea about leadership or mm. what, what it's like being a professional athlete and there's always someone blaming the captain I think it's I think it's really unfair so it's really interesting to 
do you speak about that? Yeah. Um, Question to you. Yeah, hit me. How did you feel about going over the Brave and that overseas tag and stuff like that? Yeah. How did you find that? Well, yeah, it was interesting though, when you um, made that comment about feeling more pressure as an international. Mm. Yeah, that was something that was so new to me. And yeah. I definitely did feel that. And yeah. like, I mean, to be honest, like, I had no idea that I was going to get picked for that <laughs> squad. Yeah, so I just, it was, everything was um, a bit of, bit of a surprise to me. And yeah, I guess for the first time, I haven't I haven't debuted for Australia yet. Like yeah, yeah. I've been in and amongst the squad, but I haven't. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I haven't actually received a cap. But um, so to go over as an international and uncapped, I guess international mm-hmm. was also something that I yeah. thought about a bit. And I think um, like similar to what we've touched on, I guess we just had a really great environment where everyone just really valued who you are as a person, yeah. and that kind of made me relax a lot. And um, yeah, they were more just yeah player bef- uh, person before player, and I guess cool. that just yeah made me go out there and, and play free and just yeah. feel like I was kind of um, one of the girls. One so, of the um, I guess you've been a part of leadership teams around the globe. Um, you're obviously captaining the Scorchers. How do you go about coming into a team um, as an outsider and, and leading a group? It's another great question. I was actually talking with someone about this the other day. Is it's a really interesting one for me because, especially, maybe not so much Australia because New Zealand and Australia I find yeah. are so similar in terms of culture, the people, you know. And you've kind of have. been over here for it. Well, I mean, since well, the beginning of WBBL, so there's some some familiarity. Yeah, but. absolutely. It's even going to the subcontinent and, and West Indies earlier this year as well, I f- I feel a little bit awkward sometimes yeah. going in and not being one of them if that makes sense but I guess for me the really important thing that I always try and do no matter what team I'm in whether I'm captain or not is trying to find a real connection to that area so for me obviously with Perth it's like okay I want to I want to know about the region I want to know about the people I want to know about the the history of the place same with over in England and Birmingham for me it was like okay right well yeah I watch Peaky Blinders yeah I'm not sure if that like cuts the the history lesson Peaky fucking blinders I fucking love it um (laughs) But do you know what I mean? Like to me, that's really important. Yeah, for sure. And then to and connect, I to guess. To connect, totally. Absolutely. And then helping that pass that on as well, because sometimes local players don't know that stuff mm. too. Or you've got players that are from out of the region or from different states that don't know about that. So for me, that's always a massive thing. It's like connecting to who you're playing for. Yeah. And as well, I I get a bit sad that a lot of people talk about this franchise stuff's really transactional. That it's you just come in, you do a mm. job, then you bugger off, you get paid, you're done. But to me, it's like I want to connect with who mm. I'm playing for and what's the area and stuff like that. So that's something that I always really try and make sure I do is connect to the places I'm playing at and to learn about the group as well and the, the culture. And that's really leaning on locals is really important for me. Like, I'm, I guess I'm really lucky that I've spent a lot of time around Perth and the WA girls. And when you've got the likes of people like Moons and Kingy and, you know, Chloe Papara is another big one that... I can really lean on them to get the vibe of the group yep. because I can come in with all these hot shot ideas but it can fall so flat because <laughs> it's just not the right thing for yeah. that group. So being able to almost test it on them guys and be like, what do you think about this? And they can be like, the fuck you crazy yeah. ass Kiwi, like <laughs> that is not a goer over here sort of thing. So being able to connect with the local players I think is super important too because yeah, I certainly found that a little bit previously as going into different countries mm. and what I think is funny. Yeah. It's definitely not funny. <laughs> so it's sort of, you know, yeah. having people to be able to test that out for you is really yeah. important. One thing that I found really interesting as a international going over and playing for a new team, and I guess you would probably relate to this, like it's so interesting when you 
I guess when you're back home, you're playing for your, like for instance, playing for my state, like mm. I have so much connection and loyalty yeah. to the group. So when we're playing, like it's really natural for me to like, not that I, not, I don't want it, this to come across as bad, but it's really natural for me to feel really invested yeah. and really want to like, really want to get the title. Whereas yeah. like, you know, moving to a new team that I had no like mm. connection with before, coming into it and going, all right, like, yeah, I just found it really interesting because I think about, like you said, that transaction, you have people at internationals coming from different teams and like, do you feel loyal and do you feel like you want to win this title? Yeah. And I feel like going and exploring the space and trying to connect with, yeah, the area that you're in, your teammates, I think that's really important to kind of create that, yeah, connection initiative to like feel like you've had years mm. with that team like did yeah. you have you ever thought have you ever had a thought like that I guess like yeah. going to a new team and be like wow I don't know like I just think of internationals coming I'm like do you actually care yeah they probably do but I'm like oh. you don't have you don't go through the ups and downs of pre-season with us no, do you know what I mean absolutely and I think that's what's really important though is that and I guess I can't speak for other internationals yeah. but I do yeah. I, I deeply care but that as well comes back to me wanting to know about the place yeah. and wanting to make that connection and to understand what the players have gone through for 10 months of the year for a six-week tournament, do you know yeah. what I mean? Like Because they're the ones that are grinding it out. I'm literally just flying in yeah. and doing that. So for me it is, it's about understanding what the team's gone through, yeah. what's gone before and things like that. But it's a great question. I'm going to enter a bit of playing stuff. Okay. Um, you've got, you have got a reputation for being a player who can take a can take games away in a matter of overs. Um, can you talk us through, I guess, your preparation routine leading up to a game, both physically and mentally? Yeah. Um, you don't have to give all away all your secrets, but I mean, an insight for the listeners and I. Yeah. It's funny you say that in terms of actually giving away secrets, because I'm like, I don't actually care. Yeah. And, I, and this actually goes back to the point around franchise and stuff like that. If I can help teach a local kid how to bowl a slow ball or how I bowl my knuckleball, yeah. I don't care if they've learned how I do it. If that's going to make the game better, then yep. all for it. Like, that's going to make me better. So uh, there's actually not too much. I think routine's really important. I've probably mixed and matched it a little bit over the years and stuff like that. At the moment, I've just got a real simple one with the batting. It's literally a couple of top-hand drills, a couple of two-hand drills, and that's me done. Yeah. Like wanting to feel the ball in the middle of the bat, focusing on contact rather than outcome. Um, but just keeping it real simple. And it's a funny thing because it's easy when you feel like you're in form and you're hitting the ball well. When you're not, I've done what I reckon you every player has done. Your you go away <laughs> from you? it and you yeah. train more and you think hitting more balls is going to help or you go and find a different coach to maybe there's something out there that, that you're missing. But for me it is. It's just trying to keep it as simple as possible and um, just to keep having fun out there. Like Sometimes I can get so far up my own ass and stressed and worried and stuff like that, but at the end of the day... You're there playing a game. Yeah. You're there with your perspective, mates. Hey? Perspective. Yeah. You know, it's just like there's so much bigger stuff going on in the world. So it is. It, it's really trying to keep things simple, trying to keep them consistent, but trying to keep, I guess, my emotions really consistent yeah. as well. I think that's that's been really important because I think when I was younger, I rode, you know, every yeah. high and low and it was exhausting. So to just have that consistency across, I think really important yeah how did you go about navigating I guess earlier on in your career like you mentioned you've batted in every single <laughs> position in the order how did you go about I guess the inconsistency with where you were like mm. playing 
yeah you just wing it a bit yeah it is a little bit yeah. I think at that stage of my career it certainly was I was like I'm just so grateful to be here yeah, yeah. I'll bat and I'll do whatever you want me to do sort of thing but also trying to stick to your strengths in those roles it's, it's trying to do that whereas looking back now I think I'm so lucky to have done that because mm. now I've got empathy for batters coming in at, at number seven and they're expected to score a boundary off every ball I feel that at the moment like coming in opening I'm like I haven't done this since I'm 15 and I've been yeah. giving you guys stick ever since yeah. and now I need to sit down oh <laughs> and that's the thing like sometimes you do you just gotta have that perspective and realize it's not as easy as it looks mm. you know from from the sideline so that's been a really cool thing for me is actually being able to personally feel like trust me like I actually know what it's yeah. like when you're number 11 and you've got to save a game and you've got to keep out that opening bowler who's bowling rockets like I get that I'm shitting my pants too because <laughs> I was shitting my pants when I had to do it so yeah it's been really cool it is uh, I think it's just keep going back to your strengths whatever that role you've been put into it's obviously you're there for a reason yeah when everything is going well I mean you're known for your records you know you've scored the fastest 50 and um, God, you just seem to make runs for fun. When you're in that flow state, what what does that look and feel like? Or is that something where you kind of look back and you go, actually, it looked and felt like nothing. Like it was yeah. so simple that not a, a thought went into my mind. It was just kind of... That's almost exactly yeah. it. Like I come back later, I'm like, I can't actually remember what I thought about yeah. at all during that period of time. So that's pure seaball hit ball state, oh, isn't it? Ultimate. And it's funny because it's like, it's so hard to train because yeah. there's phases where... I want to get into that flow state or mm. to, into that zone and it's like okay don't think about anything but now I'm thinking about yeah. something but I'm oh I've noticed something on the pitch yeah oh my oh my gosh it's a really pretty butterfly that's floating across the bowler's right hand side um but yeah it is it's funny it's it when it happens it just happens and you just got to go with it and when you're not in it it's just trying to again keep things as simple as possible and yeah. trust is another big one I think is trusting the skills trusting the work that you've done leading into that I think that's a big one for any youngsters coming through is to me game day is like your opportunity to shine mm. and to let all the hard work that you've done be put on show that's where it should be most exciting if I'm having an hour-long net session before a game I know I'm clutching at straws because yeah. I haven't done the work during the week or whatever so it is it's about trusting your game and the work that you've done leading into it yeah totally mm. I guess um we're playing a lot of T20 cricket at the moment, but there's all sorts of formats we play. We play one dayers and um, yeah, increased amount of test matches. How do you go about, um, I guess, adapting to each format, especially, I mean, I haven't played a whole heap of test matches, but yeah. it looks like there'll be a few more in the future. Like, yeah, how do you go about yeah. well, changing the way you approach each format? I would love to play test cricket, and I think it's awesome, the multi-format series. Like, I think every bilateral series should be played multi-format. Yeah. I just think it's so cool. It keeps relevance throughout the series. It's great. Like the way that the Ashes... Ashes is, yeah. yeah. I think that should be the way every series is. I just think for player development, skill development, I just think it should be the way to go. I think that, I guess, from only really playing white ball stuff, it's still finding the tempo. I think that's mm. the biggest thing is the tempo change from T20 or 100 ball cricket to... 50 over cricket in that time I think that's something that I always really struggle with mm. I think especially with the bat is you've got so much time and even, even in, sometimes in T20 yeah, cricket so I was just about to say yeah. even in T20 cricket especially opening like Tots. it's actually it's opener to opener not, there not yeah. <laughs> um, but it is do you know what I mean like you've always got so much more time than you think yeah. so it is it's always going to be a challenge though and it's going to happen more and more with 
the amount of cricket that's now mm. being played in the schedule. Yeah, well, um, I guess another great segue, you've been fortunate enough to, to play all around the world in tournaments like the 100, WBBL, WPL. How has franchise cricket around the world, I guess, impacted your development as a cricketer and um, the growth of the game itself? I think I've been super lucky that I've literally been involved from the inception from WBBL, yep. but also the KSL before it became mm, the 100. Um, WPL. The WPL now. CPL. CPL as well. Yeah. Um, it's been so cool to see the impact that it's had on women's cricket. It's been so awesome. I honestly credit the WBBL with my development as a player yeah. and being able to come over here and play in what I still think is the best competition in the world uh, against the best players at the best grounds, I think. That's helped me massively, but what it's done for women's cricket and, it, and its exposure on TV and things totally. like that, but also for the players, the level of domestic players that I've seen in Australia, and it's really interesting. I'm not sure if you saw it playing over in the 100 this year, but the talent and the skill level of the domestic players just increases year 100%. on year, yeah. and it's closing the gap between the domestic and the international players, which I think is the exact purpose of yeah. these domestic competitions. And I think because it is a stage with pressure, you know, the yeah. added cameras, added hype around it. Absolutely. Even though it's the same, I guess it's the same level of domestic cricket, maybe yeah. a couple of extra internationals, but yeah, yeah, it really does bridge that gap for sure. Yeah, I think that's been the coolest thing to see as an overseas is coming in and not being around for the 10 months of the year and all the hard work that yeah. domestic players are doing and then to see that each year it's like to me the fielding is always the go-to one that I look at and think geez that's improved so much like mm. I mean like Burnsy I mean Burnsy's a freak oh she, my god I just don't I don't even understand <laughs> her because that is just freakish what she can yeah. do but do you know what I mean like just seeing the standard of domestic players here in Australia and I think the English comp has a bit to go in that mm. regard and same with the WPL but I know the longer these franchises are in they're just going to get better and better and it's again, just more cricket isn't it it's just more cricket yeah. more exposure to, to a high standard so again I just think it's so beneficial I just hope that we can sort of keep that balance between the franchises and international cricket and wow like have oh you looked gosh. at my laptop because <laughs> this is the uh this is the one I was the curveball okay. something that I'd love to get to know your thoughts on is that will I guess there's a bit of talk at the moment about franchise cricket kind of taking away the desire to play international cricket like what are your thoughts on that I was uh, I was at the pub last night chatting to a couple of mates and yeah. they literally asked me the same thing I'm like you know what I'm chatting to surf tomorrow I'm gonna ask her because yeah. you've obviously had experience playing all around franchise cricket and and international yeah oh I mean, I'd always hope that people prioritise international mm. cricket, but in saying that, your career is so short, and if you've got an opportunity to, you know, make a living and set yourself up, then I'm never going to criticise or judge someone for making that decision. I just hope that we can learn from the men's, the men's game, yeah. in terms of getting the balance right, because we have got more gaps in the schedule at the moment. I just really hope that we can collaborate between boards, between franchises, between international, ICC, whatever it is, to make sure that we've got really clear windows, but then we can still have the windows mm. for for your international stuff, because to me that's the pinnacle, That's that should be the pinnacle for everyone, um, but it's just getting that right, and you know, I've got fears that people might get a bit greedy and mm. you know, want more and more time, and whether it's franchises, contracting players, or whatever it is, but I, I certainly hope that international cricket is still the pinnacle for for everyone, but also understanding that some people it's not going to be, mm. and that's more than okay. And if they want to go play the franchise circuit, 
then that's cool too. It would be really interesting to see like a World Series, series Cricket like 2.0 rise oh up, gosh, don't you reckon? Yeah, like that would, be, that would be so crazy. Could you imagine just some like oh, billionaire buying a, a in, like making their own international team and touring yes. against other internationals? Like, I think there's, yeah, it's kind of like a, it's a bit freaky to think about like the future and the potential. Mm. It's also like really exciting because I guess, yeah, just to see the growth of the women's game and even, like, the impact that cricket has on other sports, you know, and even, like, vice versa, the recent Soccer World Cup. Yeah. Um, and they're all trying to compete and have the yeah. the best um, standards for, for their women. But, um, yeah, I think that would be really interesting. One thing that, that does worry me would be the, like, I don't know, butts in the schedules, you know, like, what if WPL decides they want it on October, November or... Um, things like that it would, yeah it'd be a couple of curveballs but um, well that's what I mean that's where I hope people just sort of see the bigger mm. picture and it's because I guess they're businesses at the end of the day but yeah. you do hope that they see the bigger picture and that there is I think currently there's space for everyone yeah there's space for competitions for everyone if they all play ball but mm. I mean you know I might be wishful thinking there yeah. but I just think at the moment we've got the opportunity to almost set the calendar for everyone yeah whereas the men's I think so jam-packed oh, yeah. you never want to keep everyone happy and the other thing as well there's so many men's players out there totally we don't have that same depth in the yeah. women's game at still the building it's still building yeah, so totally. we've got the opportunity to hopefully shape it and sort of yeah protect certain windows and things like yeah. that but who knows I mean I'm not an administrator and don't have much sway in that, <laughs> in that area but and on some boards so yeah it'd be interesting to see like I mean it also moves so quickly as well you know like yeah in two years time yeah like what does the landscape look like yeah. and then five years because i mean even in the last five years or i mean i'm still pretty I'm, i've been around for like eight years so i'm not like super yeah. young but like the game has changed so much since i remember um my first tour like with state mm. um i played for act and we headed over to perth and i remember like i wasn't on a contract or anything like that but i got like a um, food allowance and I thought that was the best thing ever and I like <laughs> screenshotted it and like sent it to one of my friends from school and be like look getting paid to play and now I'm like look at how much it's changed yeah. and it just yeah in such a short period it's just insane so to think about from where it is now to yeah I guess a timeline of five years is just yeah. like oh, freaky scary what can um WBBL oh no it scorches are playing some serious good cricket serious good no that's great. I That's great that. English. Yeah. Um, Scorchers are playing some good cricket away from home at the moment. How much is the side trying to finish up uh, the top of the table to, to have some home finals? Oh, that's one of the main goals that we set out at the start of the season was we wanted a home final. Um, we obviously love playing at home like everyone does, but we know that the WAC is a really special ground for us. And having that experience a couple of years ago, we were able to have the home final at mm. Optus Stadium. Yeah, I was going to ask, is it is if you guys are at top, is it Optus or Wacker? I think it's at the Wacker. Yeah, sick. Yeah, cool. which I think is just such a good ground for Yeah, it is. Cricket. I love, I love the Wacker. Um, Made my debut there. Did you? Yeah, that was where I screenshotted the, um, no, the food allowance. The food allowance. Yeah. Yeah. The high roller. <laughs> um, yeah, oh, I certainly think that's been a, a big goal for us and I just think that you get such advantage from finishing top and having a bit of time off, obviously. The schedule's been mm. pretty hectic this, this season, so yeah, absolutely, that, that's a massive incentive think finishing top and um, yeah just being able to have a bit of a breather as well so that's the aim for us going into the last couple of games um, obviously a big one tomorrow against the Thunder and then 
stars at home and then we're on the road for the stadium series Ooh, yeah. against Adelaide at the Oval, which... Um, what band is playing, do you know? No, actually. Because I know, well, we've got Young Franco and this sneaky sound system for oh, I um, Melbourne, that. but I, I couldn't find who was playing out of those. No, I haven't seen anything oh. yet. But like, That'd be cool. Yeah, it'll be awesome. Like, I just, I love Adelaide. I've always got a massive soft spot oh, yeah. Yeah, for that place and the people there. So, yeah, oh, but the Scorchers group's just been so awesome this year. Like, we've just got such a great crew together mm. and I think, like I've spoken throughout, it's so important to have good people around you and we've been super lucky. You know, the draft, we were a little bit, um, yeah, obviously a few curls. Lucky. Well, yeah. And it, I mean, to be really fair, was. like, yeah, I mean, it's not on you guys. It's on CA. Facts. Well, this, and that's the thing. I mean, I know we copped a fair bit of stick, and it's like, it, how is it yeah. our fault at all? Like, Danny. I'm sure any other club, if they had the opportunity to get Nat Super Brunt, they would. But oh, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, it, it has. It's obviously been really fortunate the way yeah. it's panned out. But, um Beside that, though, it's to me, and again, goes back to the point around connecting with the local players. Like, our local players have been awesome. Mm, totally. And I like Chloe Ainsworth is my absolute favourite. Like, we call her Dozer because she's a little bulldozer. and <laughs> She's been dozing the wickets she's up front. She's been Holy. going for it, eh? But to me, it's just seeing players like that develop and grow within a series, within a competition that's been so cool to see. Yeah. And I was actually doing a Kirby Short about it. To me, international players cancel each other out at these sort of leagues. Like, you know, you're all like for like in a sense. It's the domestic local players that are going to make your biggest difference. And if you can get those girls humming and performing, mm. they're the ones that are going to win your games, not your overseas players. You, we might win you one or two, but it's the consistency of local domestic players performing that hands down is going to win your competition. So, yeah, we just got a great group and fingers crossed we can maybe see you guys in the yeah, final. Yeah, I guess we'll see it. The top five six mm. are really tussling it out so yeah we've got a bit of a tough run home but um it could make our game against the thunder very interesting for the 26 yes. at, at the scg as well which, which is would be awesome um, it would like it would be really cool for it to all come down to that game, game. like because i think yeah. yeah i think it'd just heighten everything yeah. and just make it super super special it's, like yeah. the addition of the scg and Anyway, I guess we'll see what happens. Also, I don't know when we're going to put this app out, either in the, oh. next, in the next couple of days or a couple of days after Maybe that. After. Um, off field, uh, I guess, you know, you're over here playing, playing the WBBL. You've played a lot of international cricket on the road for long periods of time. How do you wind down and reset so that you're at your best when it comes to getting back out of training and, and on the field? Well, I really upset my teammates the other day because we had two days off here in Sydney and I said, I don't want to see any of you beep for the next two days. Um, and they were like, oh, do you not like us? I was like, I love you guys, but I need my space. Yeah. And that's something that certainly as I've gotten older has become really important and owning that, that it's actually mm. okay to say no and I need my space. So for me, that's been really good. Um, I used to play a lot of golf, but yeah. I've hardly played at all really? lately. Just too busy. Just too busy and I just... I feel like golf really takes it out of you sometimes. I don't know about you, but like when I play golf, I yeah. get back and I'm like, oh, I need a nap. Absolutely. <laughs> so sometimes oh. you just want to actually have a rest day. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> otherwise, golf is great for yeah. me in terms of yeah. still that active recovery, totally. but getting out and stuff like that. Um, but just being able to switch off from cricket, I think, is super important because yeah. whether it's the captaincy or the leadership stuff, but you know, your brain's always ticking over about 
decisions or strategy or tactics or whatever so for me having like cricket free days is is really important and and getting away from the group Mm. um as much as I love them it's super important (laughs) that I get that space from them so that when I do come back I'm excited I'm I'm ready to go so yeah just time away is so important and scheduling that in yeah Mm. um I forgot to ask you before and it's kind of like random in this segment but I'm just gonna ask you anyway um something that people might not know about you is that you have diabetes and as a professional athlete like having to already navigate a space of trying to train and repair deal with little niggles here and there having that as kind of an extra challenge can be you know challenging there we go great great sentence once again um how do you how do you go about um yeah can you tell us a little bit about how you go managing that yeah I think in a, in a way I was diagnosed when I was 15 and I think there was a a good thing in that my whole cricket career has literally been played with diabetes so I don't know any mm. different which I think is really important um certainly when I was first diagnosed like I had all the classic symptoms so I lost about 10 kilo in a month oh, I was wow. drinking like honestly your size bottle oh because yeah what, you like get really thirsty, thirsty hey. yeah so what's that a litre bottle yeah yeah something like, like that I'd be going through eight or nine of those a day and overnight maybe four or five and so I'd be obviously peeing heaps because I was drinking heaps was it the desire to want to drink or like were you just like not so parched yeah so wow. parched all the time um so then there was that and then I was eating like heaps but obviously still losing weight and I remember I mum felt really bad because I remember going to because I was like mum I'm going pee heaps like can I go see a doctor she's like oh you'll be fine it's just a bladder infection mm. just piss it out you'll be fine <laughs> and this must have been like a week or so later and I remember walking into the classroom actually and I must have gone to the back because I was a little bit of a naughty child yeah. and I was like oh shit I can't really read the whiteboard Wow. And I was like, okay, that's a bit funny. So I told my she's like, oh, fine, then we'll take you mm. to the doctor. And literally, like, that afternoon, they're like, yep, you've got diabetes, let's put you wow. into hospital and we'll get you all sorted. And so I was in overnight. They literally just tell you everything. They just go, yeah. everything you need to know about diabetes. Away you go. Um, but I was super lucky with the support team I had with diabetes, educators, nurses, things like that. So... Initially, when I first got diagnosed, I was like, I'm never playing sport again. Mm. That's me done. I'm never allowed ice cream or lollies or chocolate. Mm. Like, that was my first concern, let's be honest. <laughs> uh, but again, that's because I had no idea yeah. about what it entailed and things. So, super lucky. I reckon it must have been about two weeks later, I played in an underage hockey tournament. Mm. And every morning, I'd be on the phone to the doctor being like, this is what my sugar levels are. How much do I need to inject? This is when our game is. And here, every day, without, da- without doubt, let me know what I should be doing, what I should be looking out wow. for. So... Having someone That's like a lot that. to learn, like as a fifteen-year-old as well. Massively, yeah. But I think for me, if it meant that I could play sport, yeah. I was like, I would do whatever it yeah. takes to, to, to do that. So, super lucky from that thing. I mean, it was a bit awkward with high school and stuff. Like high school, I found hard and stuff anyway. Mm. And you're going through all the puberty and everything else, and then that stuff. Like I would hide myself in the toilet because I didn't want anyone to see me mm. inject or ask questions but certainly as I got older I was like stuff it mm. I was like I'd much rather people come and ask me questions and try and understand about it and I can you know educate them rather than hiding it away and stuff and again super lucky Jess Kerr your teammate yeah. um also has diabetes which is pretty crazy to think the both of us playing international yeah. cricket together um with diabetes but yeah I think because it's such second nature to me now I don't really think of 
think of it any differently like yes there's a little bit more management that yeah. you have to do and make sure if you're having a hypo which is where you're low in sugar you know having a few snacks around I mean Susie Bates is one she's got some serious she's got some good well no, no she steals all of mine oh she has the um the jelly beans she's got the well they're my she's jelly beans that she steals supplies the jelly beans yes so that's the thing so I had to learn that pretty quickly around the group was I had to have a couple of different stashes because yeah. once Susie found where my stash was I'd go in and be like, oh shit, there's none left. And she'd be like, oh, sorry. But um, yeah, oh, for me, again, it's just a really cool tool as well as I've gotten older is to be able to inspire. Sounds a bit mm. wanky and stuff, but... No, I think I think maybe show that it, I guess it doesn't really matter what, yeah. what kind of challenges are thrown at you. You can still overcome yeah. them, you know what I mean? Well, I, I remember I used to work quite closely with diabetes youth in New Zealand and I go to a couple of talks and stuff with like recently diagnosed teenagers in particular and parents would come up to me and be like oh they can't play sport they've got diabetes mm. now and I'm like hey mm. what do you want about of course they can play and the amount of misinformation and you know fear surrounding diabetes like so many of the parents were just like nope they can't play I don't want them to, to have gone to a coma and I'm like I've never been into a coma yeah. and I've had it for over 15 years yeah. So stuff like that I think is really important to educate people around it. And it's the same thing, like people still ask, oh, you must have eaten heaps of lollies and chocolate mm. and stuff as a kid. I'm like, no, nah, it's completely genetic, yeah. like it's just luck of the draw sort of yeah. thing. So for me that's a really important space that I'm really vocal about it yeah. and, and getting it out there. I mean Hayley Matthews is another one. Yeah. So I mean, again, unfortunately it's becoming a bit more common. I yeah. mean I don't know why or, mm. or whatever. but. Um, yeah, it's just another little thing to have to juggle mm. with. But again, perspective for me, I've got my arms, my legs, I can still see, I can still run around. So, you know, I'm not complaining. Yeah. You know, there's people who are in a lot worse position than me. What are uh, what are some things that you have to kind of put in place to make sure that you're ready to go come game day, I guess? Yeah. And what, are there some certain factors that kind of influence that? Like, Can be, and then other times, no. And that's probably one of the most frustrating things is I could do exactly the same thing Mm. every single day, but my blood sugars could have a completely different idea and go crazy. Um, But you'll often see me, I've got my little black leather little bag um, thingy that sits on the (laughs) sideline. So uh, I'm always making sure that's prepared. So that's got all my insulin, my sensors, my jelly beans if Susie hasn't eaten them all. Um, but that always sits on the sidelines, so that's always ready to go. And, and that's been what I actually think has been really good about being an athlete is you need to be prepared with, that your, routine. with your food, yep. with your routines, with you know fueling yourself well, hydrating yourself. That's all really relevant for diabetes too. So mm. um, I think in that sense it's helped being an athlete because you need to do that stuff anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, again, it's not too dissimilar from everyday athletes in terms of preparing yourself to be able to perform. Yeah. Mm. Oh, very cool. Thanks for sharing that. That's right. You're, I guess, at a different stage in your career. I'm old, it's okay. <laughs> no, not that it. you're older, but I mean, um, <laughs> next 10 years. Oh, God, let's not get carried um, away. <laughs> transitioning to that, I guess, like post-cricketing career kind of life. Um, what things have you put in place to prepare yourself for that, yeah, for what happens after you kind of step off the pitch for the last time? I did, I did read, and I don't know, I got stitched up before, but... Um, you were at uni, completed a degree, um, Bachelor of Arts majoring in sociology. Yes, yeah. Thanks, Wiki. Great work, research. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I was really lucky. I guess when I first played, cricket wasn't a career, so you had to prepare yourself. So for me, I was really fortunate. I got through uni, 
really quickly and did that sort of before cricket turned as full on as it does or as it is mm. now. So having that degree in the back pocket, I mean, I don't even know how to spell sociology, <laughs> let alone what the degree means. But um, I, I always thought teaching would be something that I, I could see myself doing. Um, I love sport and I just can't see myself not being involved yeah. in sport in some way. Well, I guess teaching in sport kind of goes yeah. to coaching. Is that something that you... Yeah, I think so. It's a funny one because people have probably known that I'm sort of near the end of my career. I've sort of certainly asked that question a lot around the coaching side of things. And I feel a bit funny because I'm like, I'm the least technical coach and I think I would be hopeless because I'd just be like, oh, just go out there and whack it. <laughs> no, no technical think... advice at all. It's like, well, it's not going to help, but... Um, Oh, I certainly want to stay involved in a really weird way. I love managing. Yeah, okay. I'm, that control freak. Yeah, that girly. control freak, the to-do list, the schedules, that, um, that I, sort of thing. I've always thought being a sports manager would be sick. Oh, like I've worked with some awesome managers before and I've just seen the influence that they can mm. actually have on a group. And to me, like I love talking about team culture and off-field and just doing cool stuff away from the, the sports arena. So that's certainly something... I mean, I don't know how you get into it yeah. or whatever, but I certainly do. Just apply. Like, don't just you know who I am? <laughs> I'm just going to keep dropping my name into things. I'm so. just going to spam LinkedIn accounts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> whack them out. But, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know. Um, you know, I've talked to different people and, you know, some of the school of thought where yeah, you need to be prepared and start planning and start doing that. And then the other people will be like, you'll be fine. Like, mm. just whatever happens, you'll land on your feet sort of thing. So... Hopefully I've got a couple more years left in me, yeah. um, but certainly wanted to stay involved in sport and any sport. I think you sort of mentioned it before, but the way women's sport's going yeah. at the moment and they're all sort of battling it out and just trying to get better than each other. I just love it and I love sport. I love women's sport. So any code, any code I can be manager for, it doesn't just have to be cricket. <laughs> I'll send out my email. I love that. <laughs> I'll put it in the link in the description. <laughs> yeah, just look below. <laughs> um, we heard your dad on comms oh the other game. Um, a week or so at the worker. Is that something that... Oh. Have you ever considered doing some comms work post-career? Uh, um, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'd love to oh, hear you on comms. Oh, so. gosh. Again, I sort of... I feel a little bit the same with the coaching stuff. Like, yeah. I, I, think, I feel like I'm a little bit too raw and a little bit no, too like that's a, I think I that sometimes know. too but I mean um oh maybe I mean the thing that I think about with comms though it's like if I was to do the comms circuit it's like well I might as well be playing because yeah they're on the road so yeah, much true. they do such long hours you know and they do such yeah great I was trying to Marty last night at the pub and I was like damn well, racking up the points yeah, girl yeah where I'm like oh, I've sort of I might as well just be playing. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I love doing like little wee bits and pieces mm. here and there and on the sideline and stuff. Like that might be enough for me. I don't know yeah. if, you know, things like that pop up. But sidelines with Soph. There we go. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. Oh my gosh. Every now and then. Every so now and then. So I can have a bit of a laugh. Yeah, absolutely. And between my managerial <laughs> roles for any codes, look below for my email and link. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, so good. Well, um, I think we'll wrap things up there and I'll let you have the rest of your hour off. But... Yeah, thanks again so much for joining. I really enjoyed this chat and um, good luck for the rest of the tournament. Thanks, Mato, and you guys too. Thank you.